Hi, my name is Cesar Cavazos and welcome to Friction Law. I am joined by my co-host Rick Blaylock and we are here to bring you the best insights of UX, developer experience and how we experiment with the extraction of joy, struggles and other emotions when using technologies. Let's get started. Hello, hello Rick. How's it going? Cesar, another week, another podcast. <laughs> another couple of experiments and this one i guess we can start with we have new toys not ourselves yet but just announced there is the max studio are you gonna order one of those man mm. <laughs> that's it's probably like, a yes it's like i want one but i don't know exactly how i would use it i have some ideas but i'm a, I'm a laptop guy you know i like my work stuff on my laptop so, because I, I'm kind of ADD. Like I, if, if I'm at my office here for a couple days, I start getting stir crazy and I can't focus. So then I got to go to a coffee shop or I got to go to whatever. And I can do that okay. for a couple days. But then even then, it doesn't matter if it's loud or, or quiet, it doesn't matter. I can focus except if I do it too many days in a row, then I can't I can come back here or whatever. So, ah, man, like, I would hate to buy something like that and then be stuck at a desk and, you know, using as a primary thing. If, if I did a lot of video editing and stuff and it was like my editing mm -hmm. rig or whatever, I think that would make a lot more sense for me. Yeah. So. All right. So you, okay. So, so you're on the move, I guess. Yeah. I guess it doesn't make sense unless you're planning to run some sort of farm of applications within the computer for your own development. But <laughs> right it's a tough thing like so, I I mean, would I was... you use it like if 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 i bought you one with 128 gigabytes like how would you use it so i first of all i don't go to coffee shops as often as you although i do need them from time to time like mm -hmm. once a week once every two weeks i gotta get out of my office but i i i can do most of the stuff here and my original plan was to buy a imac 27 and have like a nice only one here here and they okay. have a laptop for traveling right that's why my my macbook went from 16 to 14 inches but that didn't happen they just released the mac studio with the display and we're going to talk about the display a little bit but i do not i'm quite happy with my computer like i it's an m1 max and it runs everything i need so it's hard for me to imagine, but if you were to give me one, I'll put it over here, maybe on the bottom. I don't know if I like the the, the design. It's kind of ugly. It's just like a tall shoe, like a tall Mac or like a Mac mini with a hat. But I mean, I work on, on applications that have microservices, but then again, most of the work stuff is in the work computer. So I wouldn't use my personal for that one. I'll probably put some editing in this video for our podcast and that's the most i'm gonna do for it but then i don't know it's just it seems hard to justify it just in general i don't mm. think i have the need for it and i don't think so probably, so what about yeah. so we we know thomas thomas was a, a former co-worker of ours he he mentioned that he could run and he's right you could run like a whole network topology with 128 gigs of ram and everything and run multiple kubernetes things you know clusters and all sorts of stuff like what would you do something like that that's interesting that's an interesting premise 
See, I run, I don't run that many containers in my house. I don't run many containers like, in my house. <laughs> like in my house, I mean, I run them on the cloud. But I don't, I don't know if I will have a good. Like, I will try to fit the use it the hammer and try to find nails, which I'm not sure it's the right thing to do. I do have one Synology as my as my backup, and that can run Docker. So if I, I think I've run one or two containers there for some services with the home kit, but okay. that's about it. Right. So I don't, I mean, development wise, maybe, but my computer can do all of that without, well, I have 64 gigs of RAM, but I don't need the 128. You can do it. Yes, you can. But then your network is going to be limiting all of that. It's interesting, but containers, but how, like, do you use containers at all? these days? Ooh, that's an interesting question. So I definitely don't use them as much as I used to. I used to just like exclusively, it's all these different containers and, you know, using either Docker Swarm or Docker Compose for development and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the, maybe it's like the older I get, the less I want to have to mess with that stuff. So, um, still use them but it's not nearly as many I, I try to especially when when it's simpler development like if it's a mobile app and then an api or an api and a web app or a couple apis or whatever i try to use platforms that do all that for me as much as possible so like vercel is a good example or Next.js. so you, you know you got react but you also got the apis with it and it kind of does all that for you so if i can get away with that i would much prefer that than having to worry about local containers and local networks and you know all the different images and and the proper things you have to expose and all that. I, I try to avoid that as much as possible. <laughs> the layers of images. And I mean, the, yeah, the whole idea of containers right. was, okay, you want to have exactly the same thing that it is running on your computer. You want to have it wherever you deploy it. Right. So that was the whole premise. And yeah, you will that was the promise. Containers. That was the promise. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still, I mean, I, my M1 Mac will compile an image. I'll try to deploy it in a cluster in AWS on an EKS. It does. It doesn't work right? right out of the box unless I enable multiple architectures when like build X or something like that. Yep. Uh, which then again, now I'm creating this huge image for multiple things, and now the goal of having one that's not. So maybe I would just go back to a GitHub Actions and let it build, build and deploy over there. So I'm with you on that. And then what you mentioned about Vercel is interesting because those are the platforms that are winning, right? AWS, Azure, all of those, they have these big services, but I don't know anybody that actually knows 100% what they're doing on AWS. There are <laughs> I don't so think many AWS things. knows what AWS is doing. You just go to their documentation site and, and you can... <laughs> like you know secure groups and all the different things that you had that you got to put and the different... EC2 is the least of your worries these days. Right? Yeah, right, there, right. There's all sorts of, of things. And platforms that are taking that complexity, you just sign up on Brazil. There is a button that you can click in a GitHub repository that says deploy to Vercel, it creates a copy, it deploys it, and then you don't have to do anything. So, which goes back to probably what we were talking about in, in episodes from last year, which is, can you go and, and use your iPad for coding? Which we know we can't, right? Uh, there, there are ways to do it, but it's definitely more troublesome than, than fast. Like you're not getting a lot of benefits. It's just the fact that you can run on your iPad. Mm -hmm. um, but, 
it, it is hard. Like, and those platforms are really, really addressing a need, which is all our needs as developers. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, so I mean, no, like Kubernetes yeah. is a perfect example. It's so stinking complicated, and you end up. I, I was joking at a at a past company with with some of the back end engineers. It's like, are you really a data engineer or are you just a configuration engineer? Like, is is that really what you are? Is you're a YAML engineer? Is that what it is? I, I know that's derogatory, and that's not yeah. helpful. I, I don't mean it in a derog. It was a joke, you know, between friends. Yeah. But it, it is one of those things. It's like you spend 90 percent of your time goofing around with configurations, and they can get really complex because we know com- configuration is complex over convention and stuff like that. So, so like Kubernetes, man, like. I know some people love it, but I I do not like how I mean. There's all these companies that have been basically their value is you don't we do all this stuff so you don't have to touch this right. I mean, Vercel to a degree is, and then you've got other ones like Pulumi. Is a good have you have you used Pulumi before? Yeah, I have. So it's an interesting premise. And there is is like a uh, configuration nightmare. So you will let you code. You know, we'll use convention to do it, which is kind of funny because it's like. You're coding, but you're also still using configuration objects you're passing into the function. So it's kind of like you're still mm-hmm. configuration, but you can script it a lot easier than you can Terraform and stuff. So it's just funny. Like you build something to solve something and it creates a whole industry to fix all the problems that it creates. <laughs> and um, and only a handful of companies that are the ones that are abstracting, like Bercel and others, those are the ones that are actually benefiting those are the ones that contribute to the open source project obviously on the enterprise red hat and and all the different distributions are having their own layers so it it is it's also neat but it's not for everybody yes i mean unless you're building your own enterprise platform and you want to have control and you want to be able to deploy on aws and on azure Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. like that then i mean for all like go for it Lumi, Terraform, whatever you want, Ansible. But other than that, it doesn't make sense. So I'm with you there. Containers in Kubernetes is cool, but it's not for everybody. And probably it's for 20% of the the people that are actually using it. But hey, I'm pretty good at creating my own YAMLs. (laughs) YAML man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, seriously, I've seen countless startups and friends and other companies that work, friends that work in other companies, they're like, oh, we got to do our Kubernetes thing and this, that, and the other. And they spend so much time just getting it to work, maintaining it. And it's like it's all trap. these problems is like, oh, work on your app and not your back end and not your you know platform or whatever. And it's like, that's garbage. Like most most of the folks I know are working on Kubernetes are not actually working on their app. I just I know some people are gonna like fry me for that. And that's not true, blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. Uh, good for you, but Definitely in what I've seen is that it's it creates a lot of distractions, I think. Yeah. Unless you really know what you're doing, then it's probably a waste of time, especially for small companies. Right. I have a platform that runs at least six microservices and just using GitHub Actions in the point to AWS and it works. But I know I'm not I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm not trying to use the latest and greatest from Kubernetes. It's just like a couple of jamels and it deploys, it updates the image and my service is up and running, right? Then I have some sort of ingress controller and that's it. It works because I, I do that on a daily basis and that wasn't a big deal. And I can package, in, package 
it in something like Helm and then have it up and running, which Helm might be a good, I'll have to do that soon. So it might be a good episode to, to talk about, like how do you take multiple Kubernetes objects and make it an application, right? So you can deploy right. anywhere. That would be a good one. Okay. All right. I do want to talk about the Apple Studio display, the monitor. Mm, yeah. Um, it looks nice. Looks very it nice. Is a 5K. I think you mentioned the panel is not new, which we all know, but it is mm-hmm. Apple branded and probably better than the, than the LG. So the question is, did you order one? You know, so I actually did, but then I ordered the one with the nano texture and I wasn't really thinking and I just kind of click, 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 order it really quick, you know, and I actually, actually ordered it with the variable height stand. Yeah. And so afterwards I started looking at it. I'm like, oh my goodness, the stand is an extra $400. Are you kidding me? So I started like questioning what I did. And then on top of that, I read about the nano texture on the XDR display and the cleaning woes. Apparently it's, it's a pain in the butt to clean. And there's all sorts of videos on showing that. And I was like, oh man, I don't want to deal with that. So I canceled it thinking I could order the cheaper one or the, the base model. Well, it's like, I don't know, end of April or May or so, something like that. I've got to wait a couple months now for it. So I'm like, ah. so I'm waiting. Um, I can't wait to see the reviews in the next couple of days and see what happens. What about you? I did order one as well. And I just went with the standard glass and the standard not adjustable stand i figure for 400 bucks i can buy as many books as i want to just put them underneath and make it the right height so um that's great just go to the library it's free just rotate them out every once in a while (laughs) so i can have my own decoration there no i mean there were a couple of things about that stand that i didn't like one is it does look like the panel will be closer to you and that's something that I don't like. I wanted to have as far from mm. me as possible in my desk. And then the base is a little bit bigger. So mm. I figure if I really need to adjust the height or it is too small, then I can put some sort of shell where I can put my computer underneath. And then I will have the two, my current monitor plus that one. And then everything will be good. So I didn't see the need for that. And I'm not into BESA arms. I just I, like, I think it's very cubicle kind of thing i know it gives you a lot of flexibility on on your heights but i i like my that's a good point about the cube i never thought about that but you're totally right (laughs) that it is a very cubicle feel to it huh wow now i got a new a new way to look at those mounts that's that's a great point (laughs) (laughs) every every office that you go you're probably gonna see one of those there yeah and they're like these huge industrial giant they weigh 100 pounds they weigh more it's than all the black monitor. and it's yeah, yeah. Not, not cool so uh, so that's what i order and it should be here in a couple of days um, all right so you have to let me know how it is because i i don't know i i've got this lg i don't know what is it 34 inches or something i it's a 4k hdr blah 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 and it's a really nice monitor it's actually like 1400 bucks on best buy and I, I just happened to be in Best Buy and they had somebody returned it and it was like brand new. They returned it and I got it for 650 bucks, so like half off. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's a great monitor. It doesn't have like the camera and this, the cool audio spatial Dolby Atmos or whatever they use, <laughs> speakers built in and 
it doesn't have that cool stuff that the Apple one does, but but that's what these are for. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess you have that cover. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like it's not a new one. Like like I did question myself if I was just buying it because Apple made it. I do think that it is like I will use the speakers. I mm-hmm. currently have a couple of HomePod minis pair in stereo, but just I mean the broadcasting to it from the computer is just uh, Yeah. Yeah, you get lag fun. on the home pods. At least at least with this the, the studio display, you'll get real time and they'll have that spatial audio thing built into it, which is pretty cool actually. And the HomePods work better with iOS than with Mac OS. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll right. just put my iPad and that's the music. And then it's like, okay, I can remove all of that in and still have the monitor. The camera, I mean, I just have this camera, which I think it's pretty good, but we'll see how the other one compares. The next video is probably going to be recorded on that unless there, there are some big delays and we'll see how it, but the other thing that you can do is go to an Apple store or a Best Buy and on day one or day two and see if they have any, anything on stock. Because there might be some. Oh, really? You think they would do that? You could have them on stock? I think you told me that's how you bought your your MacBook Pro, right? They were back order and then... you're right. That's a great point. I did get... Be- I got it at Best Buy that way. Yeah. I, I just kind of walked in there and they had one. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so they might have... Like everybody is, is ordering online. So they might have something, which might be a good thing to try. You will let me know. So today we have a quick friction log on a product that I, I think I like the previous name better. Oh, my <laughs> SMTP. Uh, <laughs> now it's called MailPace. And it's something that you have been using. And I think we have been using on, on the stack at Friction Lock. So mm-hmm. tell me about it. What it is? What is yeah, MailPace? We're using a microplatform.dev. Actually, I, I do wonder, I haven't read their blog post on why they changed your name, but... Oh, my SMP kind of sounds like it won't scale. Like if you're trying to be a messaging service and have web hooks and email and whatever, SM, SMT, the problem is that's bound by the technology, right? So it's, mm-hmm. you're, you're bound by So I'm, I assume that's why they changed it to mail pace, but you know, who knows? I, I haven't read, again, I haven't read their blog, so I don't, I don't know why, but I can imagine that. Anyway, so it's it's basically an email messaging service. So it's it's like transactional email. What what are some of the transactions like SendGrid and that's what I was gonna ask. Uh, I think SendGrid was bought by Trello, but it's the same. Like basically you get here's your SNTP address and here's your API key and your password, yeah. and then you can send emails. And exactly. It. It's the same, yeah. same exact concept. Okay. Identical. So it's and it's a developer tool. So it's for developers implementing transactional and i i mean it works great it it's one of those things where you know like Mailgun and mail or there's a there's a billion of them i don't, I don't remember mm-hmm. what they are but they get to a certain size and then you're like eh, it's just like complicated now or it's this big thing or it's like talk to a sales guy whatever very um, marketing driven as well right like uh yes. i think i use for my blog in spanish i think i use mailchimp and it's all yeah, like, yeah. oh, build these campaigns. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. no, it's like I just so wanna... heavy on all those features. And it's like, and then the pricing includes this, 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 this. It's like, yeah, it's because you're marketing to a non-technical marketing person. And I just need a tool for a platform, not a marketing like platform for marketing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you're yeah. totally right. That's exactly right. <laughs> 
Okay. All so, right. So, so it's just super simple. And it's actually even simpler than the ones that are geared for developers, I think, um, which which is kind of cool. I, I can't even remember exactly how I heard it. I, I think I, I might have heard it, somebody talking about it on Twitter or something, and that's how I found it, out about it. So. Okay. So, all right. So we talk about the market and some, some of the things it compares to. It's definitely interesting because... I, I'm telling you, I use MailChimp and it was the easiest thing to configure with WordPress, but I'm thinking that blog has to be rebuilt because that's how you start the, a new cadence of blog posts, right? Like anybody that is a developer and has a blog, it's like, oh, I haven't written in a while. I should probably go in and start typing. And then you see the platform that you're using. And you're like, oh, I might, I think I'm going to rewrite this before I start writing. <laughs> and then I'll probably give it a try as well on the other end. So, okay. Does it has like a free tier or um, do you got to pay? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's like a, I think it's a trial or something. I can't remember exactly. It was, it's been a month or so, or maybe a little more than that since I started using it. So a couple months. So I don't remember the exact pricing on the free thing, but it's, it's just, it's very reasonable pricing and it actually makes sense. It's pricing that kind of makes sense. Cause that's the thing with MailChimp. It's like, they, they like, Oh, you got 2000 new subscribers. You're in a new, new tier. That's $300 a month. Oh, you got another 2000 subscribers. You're in a new tier. That's like $10,000 a month. That's kind of silly. It doesn't matter if you use it or not. So that's annoying. But with, with MailPace, it's pretty straightforward. I think. Okay. I see it here. It has a solo plan where you can send a, a thousand emails per month. It has your the sending API, email delivery acceptance tracking, unlimited mm. domains from addresses, team members, webhooks, automated bounds management, automated block list, active anti-spam, email tagging, 30-day retention, detailed documentation, and email support. So that's a pretty good start. Like it's not bad. Yeah, yeah, it's a great start. Yep. And mail delivery is one of the things that you never want to cheap out on. Like if you get put, your domain gets put in some sort of a spam list, it's going to take you a lot to get out of them. So my, yeah, you, you should definitely pay for that. Okay. Interesting. All right. So you know the format, right? We have the lights, frictions, and blockers, right? And we typically start with the onboarding process. So yep. to to the best of your recollection, how was the onboarding? So first thing is what stood out, what still stands out to me, and I've done this, what, a couple months ago now, is that I feel, I think I was in in like two or three minutes. I timed it. It was it was less than three minutes, two minutes-ish. And honestly, the, the I think the, the most time consuming thing was I had to enter in the payment info up front. So that was it. And I didn't use my Google, you know, like Google Chrome pops. Oh, use your credit card. I didn't use that. So on purpose. So yeah, you're like click, boom, done. You're in. And then of course, like with any service like this, now the next step is you got to verify your domain and you got to verify this, that, and the other and SKF and records and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's pretty straightforward. It did it and it worked instantly. Just boom, done. So that was cool. That, that was nice. It wasn't, you know, how some of these services, especially the older ones are like, oh, thank you for entering your information. It could take 48 hours, blah, 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 which I think was probably still true with mail, 
mail paste or oh my sft depending on who you're using and all this other stuff but the experience was just like boom it worked so that's great <laughs> okay fair enough they have an i was just looking at it they have an npm package and they have a mm -hmm. i guess a ruby on rails uh yeah and a php thing and then they've got the Corsair hdm endpoint yeah yeah mm -hmm. okay so yeah php and then of course https and smtp server all right, that looks out of the UK. Okay, interesting. Very simple approach, very simple web page. I like it. Okay, onboarding was nice. Yeah, yeah, domain verification, I'm with you. It used to take a lot of time to for the DNS to replicate. Right. I think nowadays, it's just so everybody fast. keeps that, that message, right? It's like my complaint. I think I have complained on Twitter about this, about when you unsubscribe from newsletters, right? That it says, oh, it may take up to two weeks to... to it's like, what are you like using a mainframe for your... <laughs> like, it's like, what on earth? <laughs> that happens. So I still complain about that. I just, I mean, it doesn't make sense. There are probably active campaigns, but I mean, there is nothing... Really preventing you to remove me from that distribution list, right? Yeah, right, right. As soon as possible. So I, I like that approach. Domain verification that should be easy. Okay, so now you're in. You put your credit card. So now you gotta create, I guess, or your domain or your from address and mm -hmm. and some examples. Right. How was yep. that part? Actually, it was pretty straightforward. You, you kind of get in and like normally, you know, you kind of click around to explore and everything was very under like very clear. This is what this is, this is what this is. It wasn't convoluted, I would say at all. The I th one of the, the notes I wrote down was on the docs. So they they have this example tab where you can like see example code. And it's kind of like this long page of like. Here's a PHP snippet. Here's a node snippet. Here's a whatever snippet. It's this long page that has that, which is nice, by the way. It's 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 nice and it's simple. Maybe arguably it could be it could look a little better, but I think in the stage they are as a company, whatever, uh, like doesn't matter. However, I will say that I was assuming there was a doc link somewhere. Like I didn't see the example. I, I didn't understand what that was per se. I was just like, where's the doc? You know how like almost all these SaaS developer SaaS tools there's up in the top right it says docs you're looking mm -hmm. for it so that's like the jacob's law i was like looking for that like every other site um and it was not there if you scroll all the way to the bottom there's a link down there for docs and that's where you get to it now maybe they don't want you to go there maybe that's why they have the example tab in the interface so you can go right there because it's really that simple you just go there like in my case, I was using Node, so it's just npm package, boom, done, go. But it doesn't matter. Jacob's law. I was expecting it, <laughs> and, and so and this is back when it was all my SMTP, right? Because I'm looking yes. at the MailPage webpage right now, and now it has a menu that says blog docs pricing sign in. That's it, right? Yeah, but that's that's on that's not on the um, that's on the marketing page, right? Yeah, I'm talking about in the admin when you're when you're logged oh, okay. in. Okay, so yeah, after you're you're in. Okay, got it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and yep, there it is. It's you have to go down to docs on the bottom. Huh. You gotta be logged out then. But the docs are very very simple. Yeah, yeah, they're they're simple. They're, they're all they need to be to get you going. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you don't need more. You can really make a business out of quality email delivery. 
So it doesn't have to be the next big platform or the next, I hope they don't uh, spin into some sort of, oh, we're going to start adding marketing campaigns. And oh, yeah, like exactly. Like, you don't have to be MailChimp, which is this giant bloated. It, it works great, but it's just so bloated. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you have examples. All right. So once you had your uh, everything set up, then you had to integrate it into the MicroDev platform. So what's going on there? How was your experience? So it was quick and easy. I did run into a TypeScript problem. Now, again, this was like two months ago now, three months ago. So I'm, maybe they've updated the package since then. I think I filed a ticket for this actually to report it. When you import the npm package their examples show like you're importing the module and that module has a top level object that's exported but it's not it's like for lack of a better term it's like exports dot domain client instead of just like whatever you want to call it when you import the module the, the module name i can't remember the the technical terminology for the differences but and so i imported it and it says hey can't read property domain client is what I called it. It's undefined. And so what you have to do is you have to import it and then, you know, use the destructuring thing because it's a property mm -hmm. on the, on the main object. So that was not in the docs. The docs were actually wrong. If you copy and paste it, it would give you that undefined. I assume they fixed it, but it was easy. All you like, you know how VS code is, you just command click into something and you can see the type script definitions. So as soon as I did that, I'm like, Oh, okay, that's duh. I see what happened. And so I just, you know, like, imported it the proper way and and it worked yeah now they just ask you to import the main object mail pace so you don't have to do that destructuring and then you can create a client and then you can do send the mail but well uh, so that's what i was saying so that's actually how they were doing it before and it didn't work you had to destructure huh. it yeah it the object was on the like you know like exports dot whatever not it wasn't the default export um, thing. Huh. So. Now, Very interesting. Uh, maybe it's maybe, change. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, because the NPM package is now called add mails, mail pace. Mm -hmm. um, and there is even a page on the docs that says moving from all my SMTP. So we got to do that migration, my friend. Yeah. There I'm are sure a few it's... things to change on uh, package names as well as some of the, if you're using the HTTPS library, you got to change the domain and the token header and some of those things. So, got it. Uh, okay, good. All right. So, that's, uh, and then that's I think, good. let me open what this else? up. So, I think, uh, yeah, so I imported it. And then it's literally just one function call. So, we're using it in microplatform.dev just to send, send a welcome email. It's a transactional welcome email. And it's just a function call from to subject and then an HTML body. And then I'm using that. Have you seen MJML to or MJML? Have you seen that? that that'd be a good uh, one to do a friction log on. It's, it's a HTML like DSL, if you will, but it's for mail. And so you write it in MJ tags, MJML tags. And then it kind of just does all of the rendering and figures all that out. So that because you know how formatting emails on it's a nightmare. Um, so anyway, I, I built that MJML thing. So wait, let me interrupt you. You don't like YAMLs, but you like MJML? No, I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying I like it. <laughs> I'm saying 
<laughs> that I like it better than having to write HTML for every mail client out there and it being a pain in the butt. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 No. I'm, so anyway, it's just, it's basically HTML is what it is. And, and so you just drop it because you can export that as a string. So you just drop that in as the HTML body in, in their client and then boom, you're done. It's easy. Nice. Yeah, we should do a friction log on MGM. I think we have it on the list because I have seen it. So that'll be good. Okay. So, and then I think you have a note here about like, it would be nice to see what the email looks like instead of the raw uh, HTML. Yeah. Um, and their interface. So they have a log of everything that gets sent and you can mm -hmm. kind of review it and go back and stuff. And it's, you can see the HTML that's sent out but you don't you can't actually see it it's not rendered it just looks mm. like it's a bunch of html in the interface in the admin so that admin interface a lot of that needs a little bit of love like a preview of what you're trying yeah. to say or send or something like that yeah because mm -hmm. you're always worried about that right how it's going to render uh on gmail versus the mail app on mac versus outlook on windows right uh, okay nice and easy okay yeah. Uh, anything else like any final comments i think that's all we have on the on the friction log the, you know the only other thing that i can think of is i don't recall ever getting an email that they changed their name to mailpace <laughs> maybe maybe they did or maybe it went to my spam i don't well, that'd be kind of ironic a mail company uh, their mail going to spam i i don't know i don't know but i all i know is i went to oh my smt smtp and it was like mailpace and i'm like what is this again? So I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, that's they changed it early in January 28th of this year. And our original name was just a working name that stuck as the service has grown and matured. <laughs> we wanted a name which was easier to understand for non-technical users. That is that is every sorry, I'm gonna interrupt. That is every product person's worst nightmare is like, oh, this is just our working name because it always turns into Everybody starts calling it that. And then all of a sudden your investors start calling it that. And every, and it's like, okay, that's our name. And it's like, no, that's not what I wanted. It's like. I... <laughs> and they put here that the final straw came when someone assumed we were a toilet paper company. Oh, my SMTP. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I okay. would want to change it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, internal names are, are are a thing. Like secret projects and stuff like that is, they always come up. They they always you always know what the real name was and and the code name and and it's hard to right. get rid of it. It's hard to get it out of your head once you name it. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it for today. Thanks, Rick, for for all the input. We're gonna have another one in a couple of weeks. And thanks everybody for listening or watching. We will see you next time.